the obvious um, concern, interest for a meditator is to get free of the five hindrances. This is kind of um, sense desire, movement out into the (coughs) sense contact, searching for something, feeding on sense contact. Because we want to get out of that because it's so hungry and um, insatiable. It's got a kind of corrosive effect. As when we feed upon sense contact, then it actually eats into our into our own hearts and minds. You know, because the sensory world is always something you know it's passing, isn't it? It's changing. So you glue to that. It's like bits of your gizget burnt up in it. So the Buddha was pretty often used these very powerful similes to to bring this in mind because in, in certainly in the in the glow of that it's quite attractive. You just kind of feel the, the glow or the warmth of that. And yet <laughs> there's a sort of burning up that occurs in the fire sermon. The Buddha talks of all these eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind being on fire. Something's burning up. Which you don't notice generally. Um, you know, except when you're really excessive and you can actually get the, the feeling of it, the kind of burnt out, hungover, uh, exhausted feeling. Um, it actually seems to eat up the body's vital reserves and the, and the clarity of the mind. But as you get more more attuned to the clarity of the heart, mind, body, then um, you begin to see it more clearly and uh, be more uh, aware of of uh, you know not that we're you know trying to shut off sense contact, but at least not to be feeding on it, to be. Um, be glued to it. Mm. Ill will, obviously, something that's corrosive. Uh, however, it gets masked by rights and wrongs. Who's right and who's wrong? So we get a certain sort of glow of righteousness. And we can put somebody else down or put something down, you know. I'm suddenly lifted by pushing some somebody else down. <laughs> so there's a certain, even in this, there's a certain kind of, you know, strange, eerie glee. <laughs> there's the glow of that. But again, it does burn out. You know. but see how human beings do get lost in these in these things because they do have this kind of energizing effect and we we look the wrong way don't we yeah. somebody else is right or wrong so you know what's it doing to me see how presence is lost mm. once you when you have presence you, you see what you feel it my goodness you know but these hindrances have the power to, to pull one away from real presence, so you don't even really notice you're burning. Mm. And the sloth, torpor, is kind of, uh, uh, you know, this of indolence or the just re- just kind of la- lazing on things the mind just kind of being unwilling to 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 stand up to step back to to activate so it's not just a low energy it's an actual sap sapping of the will draining of the will mm. the willingness the keenness, the enthusiasm. 
so we get habituated. This is more than just the like a feeling tired or a low energy state. It's actually this kind of sense in which one gets habituated, one tends to lean upon things and just kind of coast along, get by and couch out and <laughs> sit in the passenger seat for a lifetime. <coughs> no no edge, no 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 initiative, no vigour, no sort of inquiry. Mm. Uh, a form of sleep. It's kind of comfortable in a way. It's got a certain ease to it. The mind loses resonance with that. It loses uh, rapture, amazement, awe, wonder, joy. this kind of resonant quality becomes like something that's, that's covered over, sticky. It's got like a, it's got no no ring to it, like an instrument that's gone out of tune. And uh, so, just kind of being aware of these, these are not just, as I say, these are not just energy problems. These are kind of these these are things that. that uh, you know, so if you're tired, it's not. That's not really it. It, it is a more a mental habit. You know, it's more pervasive than that. Mm. See how many things we get habituated into just leaning on, because we actually don't want to stand apart and question a moment, question life, question the present moment. We fall into habits. This is all kind of, and then when we do that, we come to meditate. Meditation becomes a kind of habit. I just lean on something. There's not much to lean on in meditation. It's very boring. And if you've, one has cultivated or, or not exactly cultivated, allowed that, that um, slothfulness, that leaningness, that to 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 be a be a strong habit in life, then. When you come to meditation, there's nothing much to lean on. You do get very dull, because you're not getting the normally lean upon things. You give a little bit of energy, like telly, book, something. You know, it gives you some energy. When you take that away, (laughs) whoop! But that's, it's not just the, there's a problem with the meditation, the meditation is just, just making you more aware of the problem that, that normally one doesn't really notice. So I think for many of us, certainly for myself, you know, early years of meditation was a big problem with this, basically because the mind had not really learned to step back, just got used to just kind of leaning on something or the other. And then when the props are taken away, it's going to collapse, collapse, collapse. Restlessness, agitation, it's kind of worry, flurry, like a bird flying around in a cage, can't quite settle on anything. Nibbles, gnaws, picks this up, puts it down, picks this up, puts it down, picks this up, puts it down, runs around, this kind of thing, because it's Something again, we, we've lost presence. And it eats everything up, doesn't it? You can spend, one can spend many hours just in this kind of fidgety state with ideas and thoughts and preoccupations, the future, the past and so forth. Why does it do that? What's it looking for? It's looking for presence. But you won't, one doesn't find it in a thought. Thoughts are not about presence. We find if the body is body energy is about presence, not not the thoughts. And yet, you know, the, the, the this is a habit often of uh, thinking mind is to run around because we've got used to that being the thing we we centre around our thoughts. Doubt is another uh, sense of uh, uh, 
wavering uh, nervousness, lack of confidence. We don't quite know where to go, what to settle into. Presence is lost. Where, what, should I, maybe not, well, is it all good perhaps, but on the other hand it could be this or that. What kind of presence is it? Which bit, which bit of the body should I be in? And so forth. So, you know, again, it's a kind of conceptual problem, it's an emotional problem. Uh, and uh, samadhi is the overcoming of those because you have presence. So the, there is something to plunge into. There's no doubt about that. You've got something that you can actually, you know, ground in or home in on. So the mind is a place to settle. You can't, the mind will never settle. This has got a place to settle. Where does it settle? It settles in the place of presence. That's kind of logical, isn't it? <laughs> Where else, what else could it settle into about the place of presence? No, no. Presence of what? Well, just kind of what it, what it, when you ask yourself what is present, we can use that term, present, presence. Say your present moment is kind of repeated refrain. And then it's like, why well, use the question, well, where are you right now? That's one way of doing it. You're not looking for the idea of I'm sitting in Chitta's Dhamma Hall, but the, the felt direct experience. And you almost, almost by instinct, you come back, boom. Oh, there's this sense of a being here. There's a certain vitality. It could be low, it could be high, it could be agitated. It's, oh, there's this, this bit, the me bit. So this is. And then with samadhi you begin to, to, to massage that, the practices that massage and extend and expand the feeling of that through mindfulness. The feeling of that expands and through, through proper attention, vitaka vichara, pointing mindfulness and vichara sampling like sampajanya, fully getting it, fully feeling it, fully sensing it, fully knowing it, bearing with it, yeah? So mindfulness is that which brings something into mind, places it there, and then with sampajana, sampajana is the sense of fully knowing, fully comprehending, means you're fully getting the taste, the flavor, the feeling it out, expand into that experience. Mm-hmm. So these, these are often associated with taka, means the application of the mind to a point, say, which you can use with a thought, like where, where are you, or who are you, or what's happening, it's kind of bonk, 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 that particular, that's what brings mindfulness onto something. And then, well, how is it now? Really, it's a kind of sample it, and it's sampajanya. The where, the how is it, is called vichara, it's the kind of, um, Exploring, evaluating, sustaining through a thought, through a question like that. What it, and so vichara brings sampajanya, it's full comprehension, vitaka brings mindfulness, bearing something in mind. These are the first two factors of samadhi. So, we're coming into wherever the thought, the feeling, the mood, painful, pleasant, well, where are, where are you? Where am I in that? This is, I think, to me, this is a useful means because when I lose presence, there's this kind of trying to, trying to get my meditation going, trying to figure out what should I do and then this very sense of trying, I almost feel my heart starts to crinkle and tense up, sort of to get knotted in the effort of trying to find what I'm supposed to be doing. And then the mind goes into doubt or restlessness or worry about 
just out there, or I'm speculating on why I feel this way, or am I always going to feel this way, or do other people feel this way, is there something wrong, or right, or whatever. This is all doubt and worry, isn't it? And, and of course, it, you go into that, you know, basically the sky's the limit. You can just ink in all the story of your life and so forth around those that particular <laughs> experience. <laughs> so this is what happens when you when you see don't, don't, doesn't have real presence, because we just go into the resonances of the heart, and the heart when it has no when it's not established when it isn't connected to the bodily presence, it's just resonating with its own stories and imaginings and impressions. You know? Chitta is lost. And like a panicking creature, it starts to bleat, squawk, flutter. Mm. So then, it's kind of, it's, it's almost like touching it, like, okay, well, where are you right now? And then you don't try from that place, you just, because what happens is the, the very sense of where are you, is an immediate instinctive call to the body and something very instinctive about that you don't, it's not an act of the will because any any creature any sentient creature you know when it has to remember where it is it kind of boom, it comes back into presence you see the rabbits are doing it all the time they're sitting there living in their grass and doing any last night I was watching the rabbit Nibbling his grass, and I saw this fox come loping across the field. The rabbit immediately knew exactly where it was. <laughs> it was not lost in grass, and suddenly the rabbit was very present. You know, it didn't have to figure it out, it just immediate kind of re- re- response. And the rabbit kind of totally knew exactly where he was, knew, knew how far the fox was, you know, completely there. So we do this. And when we, we, we have a moment of fear, we suddenly come into ourselves. You know? It's a kind of instinctive thing, like rally. Where are you? you know, because it's a kind of instinctive process for survival. So you don't have to try and do it. It happens by itself. So the body has this kind of way of pulling. You snap out of it. <coughs> you, you, you know, with the you're in some kind of mental state and you've got to act. Oh, you know, so it can happen. We, you know, we may be worrying about this, that, and the other, and you see someone else looks hurt and suddenly you snap out of it because you, you've got to be there and do that. And you, you come out of the, the imaginings. So this is just happens naturally. We're kind of invoking that with a, with a question word. And uh, you can refine that to where's the breathing? Where's the breathing right now? So as you get steadier, you can refine it down to, to, a, to a breathing process is actually very, very helpful. Because the breathing is something that massages the entire energy body. You know, so you begin to refresh, to vitalize through that. But I'd work at it that way because you just try to focus on the breathing, then what may happen is, in fact, the trying takes over and the body doesn't get in there. When we try from our, you know, our, tr- our the mind kind of tenses up and we haven't actually established presence in the first place. So you're always trying to watch the breathing somewhere in the back of your head or in the worry faculty is trying to focus on breathing. Well, the doubt faculty is focusing on breathing, but the body isn't with it. But actually, the, of course, everyone knows, surely, that whether you're focusing or not, the body's doing it. So the body does it by itself, breathing in, breathing out. So why don't we just go to that, the body? Are you breathing? Where is it? This may be the bit that we 
you miss out on because because it's an instinctive thing bodily presence is a kind of basic thing we don't put much effort into it we don't really apply ourselves to it we tend to spend a lot of time applying ourselves to the heart, the moods of the heart, the feelings, the meanings or the, the, the thoughts, discriminative thoughts, the choices that we might wish to make a lot of our life is lived there isn't it? You know, it's kind of did a few things in the chores period, just looked around and then I mean, what is there to do? I mean, nothing to do right now I thought I'd go back to my cootie and start thinking oh, maybe I should tidy something or throw something away or clear something up. Well, no, actually, you do is sit here. Well, I should be doing something. The kind of addiction to busyness, respectable man's addiction. <laughs> I feel useful. I kind of flick a few bits of paper around, throw something away, I'm satisfied now, prove myself as a man. (laughs) Even though I'm having my cup of tea in the morning, breakfast, I still think I should be doing something other than just drinking this tea, I should be reading something or remembering something, something I've probably forgotten to do right now, make a note of something. No, actually, you're on a retreat. Stop doing it. <laughs> Just drink your tea. You know, be present with that. So, you know, these are kind of ways in which I can see need need for need for training and for perseverance in the practice. Because it is like a, a weaning of the of the heart from its convictions, its imaginings into you know, takes it, wake up now, don't just lean on your old habits, however important they may seem to be, however useful and valuable and necessary they may seem, it's just another habit, isn't it? Wake up, you know, just be present, simple. Another aspect of samadhi, piti sukha. These are the, these are where we start to feel more the qualities of the of the heart, chitta. Piti joy, up rapture, amazement, wonder, awe, tingling, freshness immediateness, sense of when we see something is only exactly what it is, just for the moment with no comparisons the sense of the amazement, the rapture we may get it from, we see a mountain or we see a breathtaking view for the first time wow, it's just that and suddenly it goes quiet and suddenly it really starts trilling that's rapture but uh, here, the amazing thing, even more amazing thing, is we, 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 we're finding this in ourselves, this kind of boring old humdrum thing that I've been lugging around for all these years. Not a mountain, not a breathtaking view, just a kind of old me, as it were. This is really a, a, a cultivation, very powerful cultivation, transformative cultivation. So actually, how can I experience this in that sense of amazement and rapture? Because hmm? on a sensory level, you know, <laughs> let's not get personal, but <laughs> I mean, it's difficult to see this. <laughs> form with much amazement and rapture 
because you get it's so smeared over with the sense of the same old thing. Yeah. Or comparisons with what it should be or was or it's going to be or something or the other. But we're actually in meditation, we're going to much more the subtler body, the subtler presence. When we come into the the subtle energy, the subtle body energy and presence, you feel the kind of vibrant vibrancy of that. You do get a sense of something brightening up. There's a kind of like a almost like a quasi-physical sense to it, certain somatic uh, resonance there. Particularly if you're using breathing, as you actually the breathing does have this effect as you expand your awareness of it, of you can feel it suffusing the whole body. So there's a certain bodily quality of refreshment. And that quality of, of subtle feeling activates or energizes the heart faculty because it's pleasant so you know the the emotive center gets starts um, listening more clearly it's very difficult to sustain mindfulness of breathing if you're trying to plug in away at it like watching trains under a, going past under a bridge you know, there goes the 9.45 to Waterloo, there's the yada, yada, yada kind of thing, train spotting, just as an object. But as you, you expand your, the feelingness of it, the bodily feeling of it. So this is why I would emphasize that much more than, say, counting the breaths or, you know, just trying to get it right. Because that means you're just looking at object definition, you know, getting it right, rather than even if you don't get them all right, get one or two, and you, you know, an in-breath or an out-breath, and just get the full feeling of it. Let, let the mind wander, loosen up, but do try to get the feeling of it, because that, you know, when you get the taste of that, you'll actually, the mind will want to come back to that much more than if it's just told to do this, count one to ten, ten to one, one to ten, ten to one, or whatever it is, backwards and forwards. Oh God, it sounds like detention. We used to get at school, right, right out 50 times because you've been bad, breathing in, right 50 times, breathing out. <laughs> Total, you know, it was considered a punishment. <laughs> Do something boring over and over again. And so the mind just recoils at that. And you say, well, just get, get a feeling of one. And you know, ease your body into that. You awaken the heart center through that pleasantness, the freshness of that. And then, then this heart energy has this amazing capacity for resonance, which means always resonance. You have, if you like, the sensed object within a space around it. You can call it a space, just like when you hear a sound, it's because you're aware of the silence and then the sound and the silence. It's the mingling of those two experiences that gives you the resonance. It's just all sound. You know, there wouldn't be that sense of something moving and, and shivering and trembling, would it? So you always get the sense of there's the there's the sensed thing, and then there's this kind of receptivity around that that. that it knows it, or it feels it, or senses it. You know, so there's a, there's a duality there. There's the pleasant feeling, and then there's the receiving, the sense of receiving the pleasant feeling, and the being touched by something. 
you've noticed that. So in the, say this subtler heart energy, you actually allow the space to be there. Whereas if you go into more of the coarse heart energy, one just grabs the sound, the sight, the touch, the taste, and tries to get more of it, you know, because it's pleasant, therefore get more of it. That's the, it's like the, the gross heart energy. There's an attachment of that kind, sentiment, add more and more sweet feeling, add more and more syrup to the mix, you know, more and more, you know, kind of add more and more and more. Whereas a certain kind of balance where you just have a, a bit, but what deepens and increases is the, is the space or the resonance or the receptivity around that. So you just get, you see there's a little thing a little sensation and just really have a lot of space and opening around that. Then you get the sense of, of, of rapture, the mind trills. And the important thing in that cultivation is then not just to try and get more, you know, because then you get greed creeps in and uh, the thing, you lose the sense of the delicacy of that. So this, this area, of course, is the heart area is very much the, the paradigm of the, of the devotional traditions, the devotional practices, the love practices, bhakti, Sufism, and so forth, where you get the sense of the beloved, the divine. And of course, the divine, the beloved, is something you can never <laughs> grasp. That's the point of it. You just have this sense of the surrender, opening the heart to something you can never really get hold of. It has to be that way. It has to be something that you never really get. If you get it, it's no longer the divine or the beloved. It's just another, you know, sweetie that you gobble and finish and give me the next, onto the next one. So the, the sense of why the heart is kept open, because it doesn't ever actually get it. You just, you just are bathed in it and it passes through. This is the sense of this intuition that these great um, devotional and heart-centered traditions have of the, the beauty of the kind of unquenchable um, uh, pang of the beloved. You, know, you never really get it, and yet you can't, you just kind of, so your heart is continually open in this, this uh, love sense, which is not the love you know, it's, it's very much abused word, love, you know, which can be just sticking onto, you know, something like you love a chip butty, you know, which is not, which is a kind of lesser traditions. <laughs> <laughs> not the great mystical ones, but the... <laughs> so then you just glue onto the object, Yum yum yum, and then bonk, you know, onto the next thing. You know, so there's no rapture in that. It's a kind of brief flutter, and then it's gone. And then you, one, then one trivialises it, domesticates, you know, which is what tends to happen with uh, romance, isn't it? You know, for the moment, originally the the person, the other person's sense of something that's kind of fresh and new and mysterious in some ways, and you're kind of in this state of delight. Then if you grab it, then you kind of end up habitualizing each other and it just gets boring. Mm. And then they're kind of leaning on and then they're taking for granted and then the disappointments and so forth. So there's a sense in which the other always has to be left alone. You know, not completely alone, but the sense of space and separateness. So there's always a sense of, of delight and uh, so forth. Yeah. And in this, uh, you know, in Buddhist practice, at least in the ter- this Theravada approach, which is pretty kind of 
um, earthy in many ways starts out with really getting grounded presence, you know, like almost like the Zen stuff, just hara based, get there, get there. And then you begin to open up the sense from the grounded place. So the heart, as it opens, has got this sense of not not rushing into some object because it's 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 also grounded in the body. So you you, you get something that helps you to stop just ru- going into the to the feeling. So it's just that sense of being held back. So you, there's, a, there's some space between yourself and the between your your awareness and the the feeling the citta sankara the perception the feeling that's occurring and you contemplate it and you're with it but there's that sort of sense of certain spaciousness about that there's where the you know the sense of the real de- delight comes from the pleasant feeling with space mm. subtle sense to it In actually mindfulness of breathing, you know, which is a pretty subtle way of doing it, but it's an amazing transformation. Is you can experience this just in in sensing your own body energies moving around. Pleasant, because it is it is pleasant, and then you just cultivate the sense of. spaciousness around that but you know receiving that and resonating with it the other aspect of the heart is which is 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 faith isn't it which means that we have this sense of you know the present moment is not all there is there's something there's something other some this too will pass this will pass this will change mm. You begin to have that sense of that. So the heart also knows a sense of otherness in terms of time. This moment is just this. It will never be like again. It passes, it changes. So there's something else, you know. And because of that, this quality of non-attachment, viveka, gives room for, for delight. So the pity, rapture, and ease, the second factor, are said to be born of viveka, born out of non-attachment. So it's that very, very radical and important shift whereby instead of holding to the pleasant object, it's the very sense of not holding it that keeps it rapturous and fresh. So it's important when we cultivate that we look for the comfortable, the pleasing in the, in this in the subtler sense. There's the ple- pleasantness of stillness, the pleasantness of, of silence, the pleasantness of not being hurried, the pleasantness of not being pressurized, the pleasantness of not being tense, of not having to figure things out, the pleasantness of just being able to take let one breath happen by itself. The pleasantness of letting go, letting breathing all the way out, letting everything relax. The pleasantness of feeling the breath effortlessly come in and expand. And the, see? And the moment of complete fullness, and the moment of complete emptiness. Anywhere in that, any of that that you tune into, they're all aspects of uh, of the process. The psychological aspects, physical aspects of it, somatic aspects of it. And you keep kind of reminding yourself, get comfortable. Get happy. 
that's the key you know, where, where the rapture can begin and it will t- you don't have to be concentrated first of all because this is a lead up to it these are the factors that bring it around you don't have to get every breath right before you can get any sense of rapture just get one or two you know and just feel free just put aside the doubt or the worry tension and you start to get a little shiver of it it gives you confidence and begin to regard have this sense of regard for this mysterious process that we call myself Because when you actually do uh, come into direct presence with it, well, who knows who, you, who I am? I don't know. Because nothing tells you who you are. Nothing really it tells you where you are. Something tells you how you're feeling. Something tries to synthesize all that as do this or do that there's nothing there that really says what you are, who you are so you can keep making it up (laughs) keep inventing it invent it based on a mood I am a complete failure I am a good guy I am basically sensible that I'm a sick person I'm misunderstood I am a role and identity, I am the senior, the junior, the middle, the beginning, the elder, nationality, I'm French, I'm Spanish, whatever. You keep making it up. Because you know that's not what you are. There's nothing present about that, it's just a concoction. So you you know, you come out of that. Why when we have retreat we're actually allowing ourselves to, to you know, not keep reinforcing those things with each other because a lot of it is socialized. Being seen as the work monk or the guest nun or the yada yada. No, stop doing that to each other. You know, then you re- more we regard each other with the eye of amazement. You know, wow, look at that. wonderful. Mm-hmm. I don't know who this person is. It's rather wonderful. <laughs> There's a chance you might regard ourselves with that sense. Look at this. I'm amazed that I can stand up. I'm kind of lying down this morning and waking up and then felt this whole sort of thing happen around me. And then realized his body was kind of struggling up to its feet. <laughs> all of it on its own. And a kind of lumpy thing, pulling itself together and, you know, doing what it does. Kind of. Just thought, hmm. And then these various kind of little moods. And I thought, I wonder what it's like to be somebody else. You know? It's like what's happening for, you know, Jyotiko or Robert or Peter Medor. What's it like to be in, in them? You know, in their <laughs> what does it feel like? And then I realised, well, it's all it's so strange, isn't it? But then I think, well, I'm pretty strange too. This is strange. So actually, not re- just regarding it with that sense of amazement and then, the, then there's a possibility for real uh, for you get the sense of love like a metta, nourishment because when you see something in its own particular, specific, curious one and onlyness you feel it kind of heart warms up because you're experiencing it very directly and there's a sense of the fresh, it's a kind of childlike 
uh, warmth that you, I, I experience whenever I'm directly with somebody rather than with their role or name or function or memory or expectation or disappointment or whatever it is I'm laying onto them <laughs> actually experience with that person just just more directly I think this great sense of affection warm-heartedness arises yeah. and then you can smother it over with you know she's this he's that that's so and so he didn't, he is, he always is, he ne- they never, she never will be. Whatever you want to, mind does, and you come, bleh, <laughs> just goes into worry, doubt, <laughs> again. <laughs> and then I do it, to, do it to, to, to myself as well. So we all do that. We regard ourselves with a sense of comparisons, the past, and how well you're doing at this or that or the other and what other people think and so on and God it's all smeared with these imaginings and then to really come into the presence means that your heart's got a different place to tune into presence is always specific momentary Mysterious, nameless, and the heart. You never really get it. You never really could say what it is. Therefore, because of that, it's wonderful. To settle into that, a sense of ease, because um, you, you, you feel settled into that um, it's no longer a, a kind of momentary flash but a settled abiding place it is and then the mind unifies and this is ekagata or unification the samadhi because then there's no the mind isn't going out into, into things that burn and, and smear and cover and confuse There's unification. What's happened? You have the bodily presence. There's that particular subtle energy. That's there. You have the heart presence in its subtle form of resonance and, and wonder and joy and faith. That's there. The two, are, the two are together. They've come together again. They've come together at last. And then there's the witnessing which is, which is supervising, just kind of inclining, saying, get, because that's something you have some say over. The, the thinking or the intelligence is, you're not asking it to do a whole load of conceptual stuff, just to keep reminding, minding, being mindful. Remember this. Where are you? Remember this. Remember this. Just that. Very... Um, minimalist kind of uh, conceptual activity and yet it's there so that is then included that is, that's, that's brought it together that's what's brought that around so it's mindfulness has brought around samadhi put it briefly mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of breathing mindfulness of all those energies has unified so that the intellect, the witness, the beloved or the loving, the presence have come together and you have something that's, uh, with all those faculties are, are available, you know, different people, you know, may find that they're more, uh, Attuned to you know, entering through the heart, or entering through witnessing, or just entering through the you might say the hara approach. Just be here, sit there, let it all shake down. You no, know? doesn't it doesn't really matter as long as you don't don't as long as you don't forget the wholeness of it. So you can get into the kind of if you like the 
the, um, the, the so the she's going to to the presence just as a hara experience, you know, because it is very much. It starts with the base chakra, so it's a sense of real earth, grounded, connected to the ground. You have to get something of that there. But if you don't develop beyond that, you're just going to kind of gruff um, sense, you know, the might sound like the parody of the Zen master is kind of bulk, solid as a rock and gruff and doesn't say very much and you know, not very much going on the other levels. Um, or if you have the heart approach, that's fine. As long as you keep it grounded into this present, otherwise you can get kind of the um, exuberant where you're kind of dancing and singing praise of Krishna or something out there. Uh, but, you know, it, it's just it's just getting excited with itself. Well, the witness, so the witness traditions, witness practices, you know, what they call vipassana, what they call the vipassana tradition, term I'm feeling less and less <laughs> fond of. Because it can so it can so minimalise the emotive aspects or the bodily aspects. So you get a kind of disembodied head which just sort of witnesses things, but hasn't got much of a sense of real um, joyfulness or uh, vitality. It often abnegates or dismisses embodiment. It's just. Kind of because you only take the body as the coarse body, yeah. So you lose lose the base chakra, and then you lose this, the heart chakra as well. You just got a kind of head chakra blazing away. <laughs> but of course, it's kind of you know. Something that is quite attractive because there's a certain lord, lordliness about it, a certain sense of, you know, supervising, knowing it all. You know. Supervising it. Lordly. As a, as a lord looking down on things. Kind of detachment as a, as a sense of superiority where everything else is lower. Or just a, you know, just another passing phenomenon, you know. So, yeah, just because it passes doesn't mean it man- doesn't manifest. Or there's no no other value than just passing. Goodness, you know, can you imagine just living your life, seeing everything, everyone as a passing phenomenon? Thanks. <laughs> it's been great meeting you. <laughs> Passing phenomenon. <laughs> I don't want to just be another number plate that you collected, that you noted before I passed <laughs> into the night. <laughs> some sense of there was there was at least a, a, a vibrancy of something, some kind of resonance happened. <laughs> it was a little deeper than that. And these are not just matters of taste, actually, because you can see that uh, the the um, for the real elimination of conceit and aversion, uh, the elimination of fascination. You know, we need to have the whole lot. You get fascinated with with thoughts or with with witnessing. You get fascinated with the energies of the body. You get fascinated with the moods of the heart. One feels averse to them, uh, fumbling, clumsy with the energies of the body, confused by the emotions. Yeah. So we just kind of freeze up or go into witnessing it all because we haven't actually handled the raw stuff of our experience. So it's not really a secure base for the elimination of the hindrances and for the unification of our systems. You just kind of cut off bits of it. You've got to bring it all together. And it's on the subtle plane that you can do that. You know, on a coarse plane, it's, you can't. You know, you, physically you try and get hold of something that's going to give you emotional satisfaction forever. It's not going to happen. But on a subtle level, you, you can, you know. 
subtly you can you get that sense of sustaining joy through resonating with your own uh, your own uh, body energies mm. being aware tuning into the to the mystery you know so that when the witness realizes that wherever he witnesses you can never really name it you know because it's always on an emo- on a heart level there's always the un- the unspeakable the unnameable the ineffable so the witness jaw is open mm-hmm. you awake to it you don't just oh it's one of those bop you know <coughs> ephemeral maybe but you can't just dismiss it as being ephemeral because it continually opens and moves you so in this sense of the, the unification then this uh, uh, sustaining joy sustaining uh, comfort sustaining ease but one is not taken over by that it does not take over does not evade, evade or swamp there's this delightful sense of the non-attachment that means it's never graspable because of that we wake so in a practice talked about the sitting, walking sense of moment walking which gives you that um, obvious example just a kind of moment at a time because you're always you're moving through a space you keep the sense of the space you're, you're around you you feel your body touching the emptiness of the space around you um, don't, don't you know, try to avoid getting into the sense of how long is this going to take how many steps do I take just kind of do your walk have a couple of markers and just do your walking feeling the immediacy of the walking feel the whole body walking uh, relax into the body walking how do you walk when you feel comfortable and at ease in that so that you get the sense of the momentary arisings with that uh, stop stopping at the end of the path you can just uh, remind all well you know if something has arisen that you've taken you out right now where am I you come to the sense of the soles of the feet standing breathing in breathing out grounding yourself in that and walking again standing meditation you can lengthen those those moments so you're just standing feeling the whole body standing opening your awareness over the entirety of your body feeling the balances helping you to, to correct your posture so you, you're not hunched up in your shoulders, tightening your arms, tightening in your lower back, tightening in your head, just let the earth carry lengthen the spine. So you have the standing meditation as a way of just um, giving the you know, finding a way to give the weight of the body to the earth and you can relax everything. Then you find your awareness opens over your in, entire body because the muscles are loose and then you get that the looseness gives you the sense of freedom from the tension and stress there's a bit of space there heart can resonate because the space you feel the sense of the delight the mystery the amazement of presence Breathing in, breathing out. Clearing that which needs to be cleared. Revealing that which is to be revealed. <coughs> 